I mean, uh, that was the first time I ever hit 99, so, I mean, in a game, so just if I could have that in my back pocket, you know, I'll be, I'll be pretty successful, but, you know, it stays the same. Just gotta keep, keep all my pitches in the zone. Ricky Tiedemann. Need I say anything more? The Jays' top pitching prospect, Kevin Barker, yesterday against three major league hitters, strikes out Javier Baez on a 99.4 mile an hour pitch. Yeah, you could. That's true. (laughs) But nonetheless, he did it. And if you're interested, if you're interested, (laughs) 99.4 miles per hour, as Ricky Tiedemann said, it's the first time he's hit 99 in a game. If you're interested, among left-handed major league starters last year, there were only 25 pitches of 99 miles an hour plus thrown in the majors in the regular season. Uh, The Jays split a pair of games yesterday. Losing 7-2 to the Phillies in Clearwater. Jose Barrios had the start in that game. We both liked what we saw from Jose Barrios. Again, first game, early days, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We'll talk about Jose Barrios and that start. And uh, the Jays beat the Detroit Tigers 6-4 in Dunedin. And uh, that was the game, Kevin Barker, in which we saw Chris Bassett and... (laughs) Chris Bassett and Ricky Tiedemann pitch. The Jays are in Baltimore today or in Sarasota today against Baltimore. Kevin Biggio, Otto Lopez, Addison Barger, the major leaguers on the uh, trip. Rob Brantley gets a start You say, uh, behind the plate. Uh, I don't believe Alejandro Kirk is in camp yet. I, we may find out today, get a better idea when he's going to arrive. Um, and you say Kikuchi makes his second start of the spring in Sarasota against the Orioles. The pitch clock rules change is still very much a talking point in spring training. They will be throughout spring training. Joe Martinez is going to join us later on in the show slash podcast. He's had the job of going around to spring training sites and explaining to players and media what the new rules will entail. And uh, we will we'll talk to Joe about the early returns, four days worth of returns on the pitch clock, which seems to be something everybody's really focusing on right now. The other things I think once... Once the pitch clock becomes second nature, I think we'll we'll start looking at more of the other things. And uh, we are going to go to our, our fan line, the Barker line, whatever we're going to call it, the mayor's line, the mayor of Back Lake City, 416-413-3959. That's our new fan line number. Barker isn't. I should have thought of this. I should have had a phone line for myself instead of going on Twitter. Barker's not on Twitter. So this is a line for you to talk to Barker. Why uh, just me? Well, because they could, people they, on the show, they, they could talk to me, and I mean, unless they're blocked, they can DM me. And you know, anybody blocked by me, I re- probably don't really care to hear from anyhow. So, um, but there are various and sundry ways of uh, of reaching out. All right, so he got all the business done, the business end of this. Kevin Barker, I'm going to give you three doors to choose from. Mm-hmm. Door number one, Ricky Tiedemann is God. Door number two, Chris Bassett cries at the sight of an empty reporter's notebook, essentially. Or door number three, Jose Barrios. Made a whole bunch of changes. We saw those changes. I'm not going to say come to fruition, but we saw those changes on display yesterday. Pick. pick I want to go Tiedemann, Barrios, 
Bassett. Okay. In that order. Tiedemann. Yeah. Uh, 99. That's yeah. what it looks like yeah, when a young yeah. guy throws you know, 99. Well, that's, that's what a top prospect in an organization is supposed to look like, exactly like that. No, no offense to Moreno, who was that last year, has obviously been traded. This is exactly what it's supposed to look like. It, it's actually in the tank, the size of it. Uh, when he's throwing, now it's must-watch, right? The, the, mm-hmm. You don't change the channel anymore. You want to see what it looks like. You want to, you know, just see what he develops into. The question is... If you're, hmm. if you're the Blue Jays organization, how do you not screw this up? Like, that's the whole thing here, right? Because now that we've seen it and fans of the Jays, what are they going to do? Yelling and screaming. As soon as you say Kikuchi has a hiccup, I'm I'm not even talking about a bad start. I'm talking about a, a hanging, whatever that thing is he throws, and he gives up a three-run homer in his first or second start. You know what everybody would be yelling and screaming about? Yeah. Call call up Ricky Tiedemann. So that, that for me is... The big question is, how do you handle that? And, you know, the obvious thing was you leave him in the minor leagues all year. You let him figure it out against better hitters, right? He's only had four starts in, in double-A. He dominated basically those four starts because of power. And, you know, you got some free-swinging guys in double-A. It'd be interesting to see how it looks in triple-A, pitching out of the stretch. You know, you face a dude that knows how to let the fastball travel. Even mm-hmm. if it is 99, it can hit that the other way. Can he throw three sliders in a row to get a really good hitter out. That That's something. Do it in the stretch. Like, there's things that you want to see this dude do before you actually call him up. You'd rather have him have a hiccup, right? I think that's sort of what you're wanting to see if you're the organization, which he hasn't really had. Like, you look yeah. at his number, he's dominating dudes. Like, maybe he won't have it. But I think that for me is... I know everybody now yelling and screaming, man, look at that boy. You just let him make the team. What are you waiting for? Right. Uh, it's okay. Let, let I me... think that's the interesting thing. Cause it's not going to be 99 all the time. It's nice that we've seen it and we know right. we can throw it out of the windup momentum and the heart rates up there. And he's trying to impress. I mean, it's awesome that you can actually do that. But when push comes to shove, it's 94, 96. He's got a pitch. He's got to add and subtract. He's got to use the change up. He's got to use the slider. Right. And that's what I, said about going to higher levels when he gets in trouble the stuff's not working the fastball command's not there is the secondary pitch is good enough i think for me anyway you take away what you saw yesterday because again i'm going to say this and i'll continue to say it. that's exactly what a top prospect is supposed right. to look like right. that dude right there right just take a picture of it and keep running around all the time that's well, what it's and, supposed to and look i am like. going to say he did strike out javier baez and hit 99 miles an hour javier i'm not even going to look at his strikeout total last year because it was a ton it yeah, was a ton austin a meadows hitter. grounded out and uh, Matt Veerling struck out on, 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 on an 86-mile-an-hour change. He hit which, a decent ball to, up the middle. That's my point, though. Yeah. It's it's It was awesome to see that and up close. and You could just see the future and see that guy running out there every five days. You could see it. But I still want to see and I want to hear about it. I want to talk to coaches on yeah. how he handles something that doesn't go right. And I think that's, you know, what you want to see. That's probably why they're going to send him back to double-A, it sounds like. And I'm sure he won't be there long. But they yeah. want him to figure things out. Cold weather, go through those kind of things, right? You want him to just say, here it is, go make 25 or 30 starts in a minor league season. The Phillies, we talked to Ben Davis yesterday, of course. They've got their own pitching phenom, Andrew Painter, who was auditioning for the fifth starter spot. Uh, the Seattle Mariners last year, they were not afraid to, to, to bring in young pitchers. 
And I mentioned Andrew Painter yesterday, and I just want to throw this out there because I know people are going to say, okay, the Phillies won the National League, went to the World Series, gave it a good run. They're looking at a 19-year-old as a possible fifth starter. Why aren't the Blue Jays looking at their prospect? Just keep this in mind. Andrew Painter, now this is not a huge sample size, but Andrew Painter, 26 starts uh, in the minors, including 22 last year, a 156 ERA. He tossed 103 innings in the minors last year. So what I'm saying is he has a little more competition under his yeah, no, under his not, feet than in Ricky Tiedemann. Not every pitcher's the same. Just because lie. you're a top prospect, let's not, lie. not every pitcher's the, the Ricky same. Ricky Tiedemann's really good, and you can see that, right? It's just refining who he is as a pitcher and the failure part of it. He's not always going to look like he looked yesterday. How do you look at it in competition with guys who know how to handle the bat? Again, let the ball travel. Like, you know, he's left-handed who can throw that hard. Consistently, he's not going to do that. That's my point is. And when he's not, mm-hmm. he needs to pick to you is the slider good enough can he have two of them can he throw it for strike one can he eliminate a right-handed hitter who's looking for it at the higher levels these are the things you want to see and then be excited that when he gets here he looks like Manoa he's hitting the ground running he's been through it already mm-hmm. that sort of thing um the Jays have said that they have gone to school on what happened with Nate Pearson you know Buck Martinez made this point during during the telecast on Sunday about how uh, the Jays have, I'm going to say, learned some lessons. That makes it sound maybe a little more harsher than I meant it to sound. But they've looked at some of the things that happened, some of the things they did with Nate Pearson, and they're trying to learn from that and trying to apply it with their next pitching prospect. Clearly, Ricky Tiedemann is the guy. That's why I started the conversation of you're going to try not to screw it up. Yep. I mean, I was trying to be nice here. But, again, I I understand that what we wanted Nate Pearson to look like, he doesn't look that way, and now you're searching for where you're going to put him, where he could be good and help your team win baseball games. I think with Ricky Tiedemann right now, because he's left-handed, how hard he throws, he's got good, you know, if not borderline great secondary pitches that he just needs to refine. But because he's left-handed and you don't see the 99 all the time, and I I, I want to be real careful about how I talk about Nate Pearson because we just don't know what goes on between the years. No. I organize, and I get, and I, I commend the Blue Jays organization to say that out loud to sort of take a little pressure, pressure off Nate. But, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I'm you're, not, you're your own player, right? I'm, Occasionally, but, it's got to be. I'm, I'm tired of this. It's me against you, and I just don't think enough. We see that from Nate Pearson, and that will make you wonder why that is. I'm, I'm also going to say this. Did I say that nicely. Yeah, I tried to. I'm going to say this though, as somebody who spent, frankly, spent more time around the organization on a day to day basis when Nate Pearson was uh, was coming up than I have around. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann. One of the things that, uh, when I look back on what was said about Pearson, and I don't think this was meant to be negative, but with Pearson, whenever you talk to the organization, there was always the, well, we want to get him stretched out as a starter, but Man, that stuff out of the back end of the bullpen, you know, if he can get some control, that 100 out of the back end of the bullpen, boy, it just screams 
a guy who might be a closer. And there was always that yeah, but with him. Mm-hmm. And obviously you're not going to hear that with Tiedemann. Tiedemann's a starter. Tiedemann's a starter. And I think maybe that's one thing. I, I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to be very interested in reading the tea leaves. And I hope we don't start hearing that some in the organization view Tiedemann as a potential... Jackie. Right? <laughs> that's what I'm going to be hoping for because I really do think that... And look, there was a lot with Nate Pearson in terms of health and all of that, all of that stuff. But I also mm-hmm. think that there, at times the organization had difficulty getting everybody on the same yeah, yeah. page they when it try- came to when you, it came to Nate Pearson. You can tell they're trying to downplay where he's going to go yes. this season, how long he's going to be there, yes. you know, what the chances of him if he continues to do what he's doing that he did yesterday, that the eyes might be opened a little wider and he might have a chance. No, they've sort of said and, basically not really. And I would argue, you Kevin, know, that Alec Manoa. And he's going to go there and figure it out. Right. Sort of kind, of, kind of things, which is kind of nice to hear. I think it, and I would argue that Alec Manoa probably has, Alec Manoa, again, different guy than Ricky Tiedemann, but he has to have opened some eyes a little bit about how you go about judging a pitcher and making a call on when the guy's Yeah, ready. maybe. I think, I think it's about the, if, if he earns it, he goes to these spots. Ricky Tiedemann goes to double-A, dominates, which I'm assuming he will, goes to triple-A, yeah. and you sort of see the failure a little. I'm not saying fall off a cliff, but I'm saying talking, you're talking have, about have that four and two-thirds Have a, have a bad inning, yeah. and he got to work through it. Yeah. Right? It's cold out of the outside. Stretch, the snow's and you're in the blowing, and mm-hmm. he, he just can't figure out the wind-up. The ball's not coming off the fingers right. Like, I think they want to sort of see that, and there's nothing. I mean, he's 20. He'll be 21 yeah. in August. Like, you it was awesome to see, and again, I, I, that's the first thing that popped in my mind was that's exactly what it's supposed to yeah. look like. If you're going to hang a number one on somebody, you want there it is. That's your the first impression. Well, you don't that's give it your to first a dude impression. That hits one homer in the minor yeah. leagues. You don't do that. I mean, I'm no offense. I know what you're not, saying. It's not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but eh. uh, that's it. Oh, uh, we okay, you're Bassett. going to, going going to Bassett. All right. well, I mean, Chris Bassett, two <laughs> innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, uh, here's... one walk, 27 pitches, 16 strikes, 5,335 words in his post-game interview. I, I, there was an awful lot of talk. A lot. Of, of all the Jays pitchers. Oh, poor uh, Danny Jansen's the first thing I thought. Just yeah. poor Danny Jansen. Well, <laughs> Like, shall we say that Chris Bassett, Chris Bassett and Pitchcom didn't. First first inning of a Blue Jay in a spring training game, he came out in the stretch not using the Pitchcom. And then the second inning, he was in the windup with the Pitchcom. Yeah. Makes sense to you? Well, the guy throws a lot of pitches. There's going to be, there's going to be an awful lot of experimenting going on with Chris Bassett and, and, and Danny Jansen. But as I was saying, this is a guy who had difficulty with Pitchcom last year. Uh, there's that famous shot of that playoff game against San Diego where it, it ain't working, and he's just throw what you want to throw. No, it wasn't that. He looks at the catcher and goes, "Change up." Uh, yeah, I mean, so this is going to be a work in progress. You did see that. Uh, you just see that like 75 inch drop in that one pitch, though. That uh, that that Chris Bassett. Yeah, I don't threw. think like, it's you, the stuff. You see I, the, you, I think you it's see the, the stuff. He talks runways. He talks. Uh, I want him to set up here. Because I know if I miss, it's coming off this runway. It's like, if you're Danny Jansen, you just, it's you know just what? like, put the, the put the finger 
push the button. There's a lot there, like a lot. You know what? We have a clip from Chris Bassett. We were going to play it out of the break. I know Mark Boffel's laughing because he just told Lance, I think not dumbass here is going to ask you to play the clip right now instead of out of the break. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all yeah, know, know you. We all, yeah, we yeah, all know. We know you. I all know. Lance, luckily, <laughs> was paying attention. So can we when, can we play the Chris Bass? Thank you, Lance. God love you. Oh, just, just going out there and just obviously working my, on my relationship with Jano. That's, that's it. Um, get the pitches in, kind of show him kind of how hitters react to pitches. But overall, it's just our relationship. What's most important in that with a capture of you with a new guy? So, I mean, We've been really, really harping of, of late of just like where he sets up on pitches and where we kind of want it to be. And I feel like that's going really, really good. Now it's kind of like, all right, we got that locked in. Um, now it's like to the next step. So um, it's just a little building process. But overall, I think it's been great. What's the next go? step? I The next spring training start, <laughs> I guess. Um, and, and you also you also wondered too. You, you know, say something happens to Danny Jansen, and they take a couple starts. What's it going to take for the next catcher in line, which would probably be Kirky, to figure out ways to Kirky's get him? Kirky's not through, in camp to yet. Get by him the way, that's what I'm point. That's my right. point here is to get him through. Now, knock on wood, that nothing would ever happen to Danny. But say it does, and this is that. Obviously, that's his personal catcher. Like they're trying to get on the same page here, where the 54 pitches that I got, the 57 lanes, the runways. The conversation, I'm not, I don't, so I don't have to stand out there and actually tell you with my lips what I want to throw. There's a lot, Jeff, there's a lot going on there, right? It's adding and subtracting, it's reading bats, it's, it's the tunnels, it's the runways, it's the, it's the, if you sit up here, this is where I want to start it so I know where it goes. It's basically, you're not so much telling me where I want it to end up. You're telling me where I want it to start. I got seven pitches. Like, I, I understand he's talking a lot about the cutter, and if you start it here and it goes here, I know what I did if I miss location there. And you got 15 seconds to get all this done. Yeah. And now it's a lot of the times you don't want to use pitch comp. Like no, I, see, I, I think what he, a he's there. a guy – There's a lot. Major League Baseball is experimenting right now with the pitcher having pitch comp. He's a guy – Would that I, help? It has to – Just it, give him something else to think about. No, it, it, it puts – it puts the decision-making process in his Maybe. hands and gives right. Jano more time to set up. This, one of the things about Danny Jansen last year, as the year went on. He's a smart dude, too. He's a smart helps, dude. A but last year, as the year went on, you could tell when Chris when, when Kevin Gossman was pitching, that there were times where Jano would set up differently for different pitches from, from Kevin Gossman. And I know other teams saw that, too. I mean, you know, people have talked about it. Bucks talked about it. Other people have talked about it. Uh, sets up too soon is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's and, – and Like he'll be wide base for a ball down. He'll be – his feet will be closer together. Exactly. On the ball down the middle, the and ball that's away, not, the listen, ball up. Listen, that is like not – Like adjustments that you need to make when it comes to being a well-rounded yeah. catcher if you, and not giving it away on the guy standing in the on-deck circle. That, yeah. That and, sort of thing is what you're talking about. Yeah, and because if, if you listen to the show, you know that we do not allow slagging of Danny Jansen in the show for a variety of reasons. But – But it's a lot on his plate. It's and a ton Danny, on his And plate. Danny Jansen has turned the corner as a – Offensive player, yeah. and now this is thrown in his plate. We seen we saw how the Ryu thing went, and he's came on this show and said that out loud that I was more worried about getting that dude through a game than I was going to the yeah. batting cage and hitting and getting the foot down and getting the head out and thinking about pulling a baseball up the middle to the pool side. Now I'm not saying this guy ain't worth it because they need this guy to give them close to 180 innings. Yep. I know that's last year was the, the most he's done in his career, but they're going to need that. And it just seems like he needs the catcher's help. 
which is, let's talk about Jose Barrios yesterday. Two innings pitch, two hits, a couple of walks, a couple of strikeouts, 36 pitches, 21 strikes. You pointed out, and a lot of folks have said that Jose Barrios has made some, some small adjustments. Uh, you pointed out it looked more direct to home plate, yeah. which gives him a bigger target than if you're on the either side of of, of home well, plate. Well, it's where he's standing on the rubber, right? He's trying to to just have eyes on bigger yeah. target. That now, way, the miss is a little be a little and, bit better he, with his fastball. You know, he he had he did not he was not gently worked into things. Trey Turner singled on a three one pitch. Mm-hmm. Kyle Schwarber lined out. Uh, JT Real Muto was called out in strikes in 95, 96 mile an hour sinker. Castellanos hit a sinker into a force out. Um, the sinker looked, sinker looked really good yesterday. The sinker looked really good. I, first outing, I get it. Yeah. First outing, but he did work his way around four, four major league hitters. Well, and, he's, he's changed where he's standing on the rubber. Like I just mentioned, that opens up a little bit bigger target for him to aim at when he's throwing whatever pitch he wants to throw. His hands a little closer to his body will keep him a little bit more centered on his back leg. He lifts his leg to go towards where he wants the ball to go. He's a little bit more centered. He can feel it. It's sort of like a hitter, right? You need to feel that back leg keeps you grounded, keeps you centered, which that's why, you know, when sort of your hands get away from your body a little bit more, you tend to have a little tilt to you, and you're playing catch-up. When you play catch-up, Jeff, where's your arm go that's throwing the baseball? It goes all over the place. It's playing catch-up, and then the ball just happens to go everywhere. How'd that look last year? That's sort of the problem. And that's what I was the guy that said, well, it's very odd that he can't go out there because of experience and fix this thing on the fly. And then that's when, you know, you've had some adjustments in the offseason by the hands closer and where he's standing and just trying to be a little bit more centered. And it looked easier. Uh, that's what I that's what I saw. Where he was, he's not, and I think that's your point, mm-hmm. he wasn't forcing it. No. But still, it'll be interesting to see because he's going to have, you know, he's a four ERA guy. He's not a three and a half ERA guy. So he's going to give up some hits. And that's that's for me is when, it's ain't, when it ain't see, working, can he get it quicker? Of all the guys going, well, that's a good step. Of all the guys going to the World Baseball Classic from this team, see, I think he needs it. Uh, that no, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's, he needs confidence. That's exactly I what I was really going to say. Hitters. You talked before we came in the year. You mentioned the word. You, you've spoken to people, and they've said that one of the things you do get the sense that he's more confident this year. Yeah. And last year, early in spring training, Jose Barrios admitted that it just didn't search him. Yeah, he. It didn't big, feel- big deal. I signed it. I'm trying to live up to exactly. it. I want to be the man. For whatever reason, he he, he kind of said in spring training, things just didn't feel the way they Very normally much. feel. Mm-hmm. And that's why well, I'm with you. The, the, you know, look, the, I don't want guys to get hurt during the World Baseball Classic. I understand that, of course, guys are getting hurt in the weight room. So uh, I, what, does it, what does it matter? But I'm with you. I think Jose Barrios, if he can get was he going to have one more outing before he goes to the World Baseball Classic? Probably. Gets another outing under him and looks like that and gets immediately tossed into a situation where he's going to have to compete. Yeah. If he gets a little bit of confidence, absolutely. I think, I think he's a guy that the World Baseball Classic could have an immensely, 
immensely positive impact on more than anybody else. Yeah, I don't think it's going hurt. from the Blue Jays organization. I don't think it's going to hurt that you know you get six innings in that against some of the better hitters in the world. And knock on wood, he's a good enough athlete. That he's a healthy dude. You know, knock on wood, he's a healthy well, dude. He's done, so. it, he's done it so much. I mean, it'd be a fluke thing if he did get hurt. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think this is exactly you need to see it, right? It's one thing of working on it in the offseason and throw it to whoever you're throwing it to, some high school kid mm-hmm. who's trying to backleg city you every single time you throw it to to him. And then going out there, and it's like the Ricky Tiedemann thing, right? You you sort of need him to see the set the guy up, a good hitter. You want to see the backdoor sinker. You want to see elevated four-seamer. You want to see if it don't go where I want it to go, the next pitch better because I fixed it in the offseason, and I'm mentally prepared for that, and I'm confident enough mm-hmm. that I felt it so many times of doing it in the offseason, and now when I do it bad, I know right away that I can fix it, and I'm doing it in front of when the cameras are the brightest. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of people watching those oh, games, there'll be, right? there'll be a crap so, ton yeah, of people watching you. those games. I'm with you. Get out there and do it some vinegar, and, and hopefully he can. He's a big deal, Jeff. I mean, I know I make fun of you because you're in love with him. but I'm not it's, in love with him. I mean, I've... He's a big deal. Now that I've seen Bassett, like he's a big deal. Well, he might be the biggest deal. Even with look, even to this rotation, even with Chris Bassett here. If you look at this rotation, the guy who could be immeasurably better than what he was last year is probably Jose Brios. He's he's never going to be a 290, 250 ERA no, no, no. guy. He's not. 200 innings is what you want. And and the Jays win when he's on the mound. No but question. whatever reason, they and I, I know pitchers' wins don't count, but when he's on the mound, the team wins. He might when be he's your on the mound, the team wins. too. Means he'll be going up against other teams' four-star. Could you imagine if he... Gives you 200 innings. If it's about innings. If he's eating innings, yeah. means he's good. It means he's not getting right? He's doing around. things on yeah. the mound to give their, his team a chance to win a baseball game. Again, I, I'm not I'm not going to get too excited about the Bassett thing, but listening to Chris talk, watching Danny Jansen in the first inning call timeout and have to run, that's a, yeah. there's, that's a work in progress, and there's going to be some rocky roads there. And if you can get Barrios off to a hot start, and, man, he just hit the ground cooking, and he got lots of confidence, it's a big deal. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, Joe Martinez is vice president of on-field operations for Major League Baseball. Uh, We've now got four days in the books, small sample size, but a meaningful sample size when it comes to some of the new rules changes brought in by baseball, pitch clock, uh, the number of times you can step off and throw over, bigger bags, uh, less defensive shifts. There have been a couple, it's funny, yesterday I was watching some games and I started to notice balls that wouldn't have been. I'm sure there were over the first first three days there were balls that would have been caught last year. Chris Bassett that went in through. the first inning, that little yeah, but yeah, the lefty hitting in the first yeah, inning. Yeah, there were balls I saw that were hits this year. Yeah, that would have been Hoovered last year. Absolutely. So it is having an impact. Time of game is down dramatically. Joe Martinez's job has been to go around to spring training sites and explain to people what's happening. It's it's. Something and the NBA has done for a couple of years, which I really like. The NBA early in the season will send game officials to a city and they will not only have a sit down with players, they will sit down with the media and say, okay, this is our, they call it point of emphasis. This is what we're looking for this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's great because not Tremendous. only not only are you giving information to the players, but the people who are going to be, uh, disseminating the information to fans. You're also educating them. I, I think it's a genius idea. Uh, I loved 
I, I caught a couple of Joe Martinez's sessions online. They're terrific. He joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360. And we're always, as always, where you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder that the Barker line, whatever we're going to call it, the Barker fan line, the fan fan line, the number is 416-413-3959. You can call up and leave a question or comment for Kevin Barker. We'll get to a couple of those questions at the end of the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's something that we're pretty excited about. It's a way of getting you, the the listener, involved. And, we um, want you involved. We want you involved. No and, uh, you know, we're going at some point, the show goes to two hours as we get closer to the start of the regular season. So we'll have more opportunity to use it. But again, the numbers 416-413-3959. You hear the dulcet tones of Kevin Barker. Leave a comment or a question and we will answer it. So I guess we're probably going to uh, continue to be talking about the length of time, the pitch clock for a while um we've had we've had it for four days now as i've said it's the rule change i think we've all been uh focusing on initially um because it's the most it's the most dramatic i I think from from a viewing point of view we have noticed i think as the games have gone on we talked about this we're starting to see balls that would have been caught last year that are that are uh, that are going through mm-hmm. as a result of the uh, the limitations and shifts, and of course, at some point we'll, we'll we'll notice the stolen base stuff, the extra bases. You know, as the season goes on, will there be more stolen bases? Will will pitchers have an issue holding runners on base after four full days of Cactus and Grapefruit League games? MLB games have averaged two hours and thirty nine minutes. Wow, that's nearly twenty minutes off the two fifty seven. It took to play a game through a similar sample size in spring training in 2022. By the end of spring training uh, last year, the average time of the game was three hours. And then by the time the nine inning games rolled around, three hours and three minutes. So it really does appear as if the notion of a two and a half hour baseball game is, is, is coming closer to reality. Uh, Joe Martinez is vice president of on-field operations for Major League Baseball as I mentioned, he's been going around spring training sites, essentially giving giving classes to people on great the new attitude. rules. It's a great idea, and we're it very is. pleased that uh, Joe's taken some time out from his schedule to join us. And, and Joe, thanks for this. I, I'll, I'll just ask you very quickly, again, small sample size, four days' worth of games, but it, you know, we, we, we've had some issues. Uh, I'm going to issues in air quotes. You know, we already had a situation where – both a pitcher and a catch and and a hitter were called for a time count violation. The yep. same at bat yesterday. We saw uh, Jose Barrios. It looked like lose track of where the, the clock was. Rob Brantley, the catcher, called timeout. There's still some rules. There's still some things to be figured out here. But Joe, I got to think you guys are thrilled by the the first four days of this thing. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, we're, yeah, we're we're pleased, right? Um, like you said, there there's going to be an adjustment period. Um, you know, in these bumps and issues that we're encountering now, I think, you know, in 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 most respects, are are welcome, right? As we as we you know, as they happen, as we address them, as we make sure everyone is on the same page and understands these the same way. Um, it just sets us up for a smoother ride, uh, you know, when the games actually matter. So, um, so far, so good. Like you said, um, the rule is having its intended impact and, and trimming some time off of, of the games. Um, and you know what? I think we're all just getting more and more comfortable, uh, the players, um, the staff, as well as the umpires. So I think we're we're really pleased with where we are today. Joe, has there been teams call you back from the videos that you've done and said, can you clarify a little bit further for this or has it been smooth sailing? Yeah, we so we you know have done presentations for for clubs as well, um, you know you know as the media um, and even you know the the entire group of thirty managers gathered during winter meetings in San Diego where we presented on on these rules as well. So um, it, there there have been a number of of different um, kind of efforts going on at the same time in parallel to make sure everyone you know has the education they need. And, you know, I, um, you know, Reed McPhail, who I work very closely with, and, and others on our team are always available to take questions and make sure, you know, they all have exactly what they need to feel prepared and, and uh, you know, grow in their understanding of, of the nuances and details of the rules. Uh, during the season, will there be a will there be a dedicated person in the MLB office to you know, to, to look at a, a review of a situation or, or, or anything like that? Will there be almost, I guess, a, a fallback in case an, an issue does arise in, in game? Or will that be handled by the MLB, you know, by the review center? Um, so, you know, I think it depends on the question and, and where, uh, you know, where the issue lies, right? If it's, if it's something with, you know, specific to umpiring, well, you know, the umpiring team will take that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's questions on just how the rules apply or, or clarifications, um, you know, likely that comes to to my team. Um, but, you know, there, I think, you know, we have a number of different folks and, and the way that we're structured, I think we're, you know, capable of handling any of those questions. It just kind of, it, it depends on where they pop up, which group is going to take lead on that. Of all the, the new rules we've seen put in place, which rule to your mind um, resulted in the most conversation or the greatest number of questions from players or managers? Like, we're obviously fixated on the pitch clock. Were players and managers fixated in the pitch clock, or were they maybe asking more questions about the pickoff move and things of that nature? Yeah, well, I kind of pair, I kind of pair both of those, right? That, that, that disengagement limit or pickoff limit is really, you know, only in place because it closes a, a huge loophole that existed in prior right. versions of a pitch timer rule, right. right? If a pitcher can just step off or pick off at any time and reset the clock, the, the rule, you know, immediately loses its, its, its effectiveness, right? It has no teeth. So, um, you know, we always kind of think of those as one, um, and that is a feature of the pitch timer rule. But, yeah, that's definitely where we've gotten the most questions. It is the most, um, you know, complicated one, as it's always, you know, running. It's the biggest change for baseball, right? The shift restrictions are, are largely just a return to, you know, how – Fielders mm-hmm. used to be positioned. So right. um, while, you know, they are interested in the, in the exact requirements and, and where, what they can do and what they can't do, 
um, with that one, you know, there's a lot more discussion about the pitch timer than anything else. Joe, how's the conversation between Major League Baseball, yourself, and the umpires? Because that, you know, that relaying the message from an umpire to a player about a certain rule is a big deal, right? you got to be good about how you deliver that. Has there been conversations on how you might want them to do certain things when it comes to those rules? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, one of those parallel kind of efforts – of education was with the umpires. We've been working with them during the off season. Um, and throughout spring training, um, you know, we continue to update guidance, build questions, you know, make sure, you know, we're all on the same page with how the rules applied and enforced as well as, you know, they help us understand some best practices and communicating with the players and staff on the field, um, which they're, you know, extremely good at. And, you know, I, I've been, you know, incredibly impressed with the support and commitment from the umpires so far. And, and, you know, we're sure that's going to continue. It's been great. Joey, I had a, a, a couple of listeners send in questions when they knew you were coming on. And uh, I, I've kind of boiled it down into one general question. Batter steps into the box, pitchers on the mound. Under what circumstances can time be called by either of them? I think a, a number of people have, have asked that. I, and I'm thinking, you know, I hitter gets dirt in the eye or something yeah. like that. Under what circumstances right. can a timeout be called? Right. So kind of, you know, if you take a step, well, maybe not a step back, but just kind of a, a more general comment is if anything happens like an injury or, you know, an equipment issue, right? Umpires have discretion always to call time, wave off the clock, right? Allow mm-hmm. players to get ready to, to play, right? So if something like that pops up, which is really a special circumstance, the umpires are going to manage that. Um, but it's within kind of like the flow of regular play and, and assuming there's no kind of special circumstance present, um, batters can call time really at any time, um, They but they only get one per plate appearance. Okay. So they, they have to just make sure to use that wisely. Right. And then pitchers, you know, can use those those step-offs and pick-offs to, to reset the clock, obviously, if they choose to. Mm. Um, however... Right, they only get two two of those per plate appearance, and if they pick again, um, if they don't get now, a balk is called and the runners on base advance. Okay. So, um, you know, there are some penalties if if you try to get you know to uh, use too many of them. Right. So there is a, a, there there is some discretion there. There's I'm, I'm going to say w- w- there's some some wiggle room that yeah. the umpires can use there. Yeah. Right. Right. And our umpires right are, are managing games. They were they were managing games right. before we had a had a pitch timer rule in place. Right. So. That's a lot of times. That's what they're best at, right? That, that's that's where they're strongest. So, um, you know, they know baseball as well as all the players, and 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 better than I do. Um, but they're great at at you know recognizing those situations, making sure everyone's ready to go, keeping our players safe. Obviously, we don't want you know pace is not you know uh, at the expense of of player safety, anything like that. Um, so they so they manage those situations and and do a great job. Joe, would Major League Baseball be willing to tweak some of these rules, like the pitch clock, fifteen seconds, twenty seconds, if there was injuries, like some red flag in season, or is that off season kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're ever um, opposed to making some small tweaks. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know about the in season, you know, off season question per se. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit more complicated. But, um, you know, I, I think if there was a significant enough red flag, of course, you know, we would want to address it as quickly as possible. Um, but, you know, what we've been saying this whole time is, while we're very confident that, you know, our, our 8,000-plus games of minor league testing have led us to, to a, a, a pretty good rule here, 
Um, maybe the only thing we're 100% sure of is we didn't get every single small, tiny detail exactly correct. Um, so as we go through spring training um, and get feedback from umpires and, and staff and players, you know, there, there may be some small tweaks being made. Now, not necessarily to big features of the rule, right? I don't think the timings are going to change, um, you know, or, or some of those other big features. However, you know, how certain situations are handled, you know, uh, guidance may be able to be updated in some of those areas as we go along. Now, we know that some pitchers are using PitchCom, uh, are using PitchCom themselves. Uh, there are other teams, the catchers are still using them. I, my understanding is this is something that will be addressed at the end of spring training. And, and, and Am I right? And if that's the case, you know, is there kind of a drop-dead date, Joe, by which point a decision has to be made on whether pitchers are going to be able to use PitchCom to call their own pitches? Uh, yeah, that, that that is correct. Um, we did a similar thing with PitchCom itself, right, the whole system last year where mm-hmm. clubs had them available to them. Um, you know, some used them, some didn't. Uh, and we, we were getting feedback and made a call towards the end of spring training on, on allowing them during the regular season. So uh, it's it's the same thing here where, you know, some clubs use it, some aren't, like you said. Um, we'll, we'll be getting feedback and we'll make a call, you know, probably closer to like the last week of spring training or, or if, if it's a little sooner than that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on how, how confident we are, um, you know, from that feedback we're getting from the clubs themselves um, that we know which direction we want to go. Joe, there's a little gray area when it comes to that imaginary line that's through the middle of second base, right, where you can stand if you're a second baseman, where you can stand if you're a shortstop. I wonder midseason, right, if there's a little lenience from the umpire of saying, I'm going to warn you if you put your foot a little over that imaginary line, right? Is there going to be a little bit of that, or is it if I see it, I'm going to have to do what I have to do kind of thing? That's right. You know, violations are going to be called, right? Yeah. um, to be to be very clear, it's it's and it's not just a kind of a an imaginary line right through the middle. I mean, it is imaginary line. Obviously, there's no line drawn on the field, but it's actually the entire width of second base, right? So if if that infielder overlaps second base at all, any mm. piece of it, mm-hmm. um, they'll be in in violation of the rule. And if the umpires see that, um, they're going to enforce those penalties. Now, you know, I think it's okay for infielders, and, and we're encouraging them to. Um, you know, between pitches before, right, they have to be in compliance with the rules. To, they can say to the umpires, you know, hey, if I stand here, am I okay or do I need to move over a little bit? And then the umpire can give them some guidance. Not not dissimilar to the NFL where a wide receiver might be on the line of scrimmage and right. say, you know, to the line, to the side judge or whatever you call that ref in, in NFL, I'm not exactly familiar. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I'm on the line of scrimmage. Am I good here? And they, a lot of times they give them the thumbs up. So kind of a similar concept there. Joe, listen, really good of you to yeah. join us today. Thanks so much. Uh, terrific insight. And, mm-hmm. you know, having seen the video, I mean, it's uh, great. Yeah, you guys yeah. have done, you and, and your office has done a really good job of, uh, of kind of getting us, you know, getting us used to this. As I said, I'm almost at the point now where I'm not looking at the pitch clock and I'm oh. focusing on what balls would have been caught last year. So I think that's the that's goal. That's the biggest compliment you give us. Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Be well. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Joe. Joe. Take care. All right. Joe Martinez, vice president of on-field operations, Major League Baseball. Yeah, it is. It's really I, – I, the, the video is tremendous. I, I, I watched um, I watched it because I – my question about second base was, well, we're all waiting to, we're all waiting to see who is going to fiddle with the second base rule. There, there, there's talk that the, the Mets 
The New York Mets have shut down some of their workouts to the media and fans. For that reason. Joel Sherman has written, Mm -hmm. and Joel's got pretty good sources, that there is some talk that the Mets may go to those cards, a a vision of cards you see NFL or college teams use when they're setting their defense. You know, assistant coaches hold up a, you know, a smiley face and a hammer or something like that, and that that means something. But, um, yeah, and I'm I'm glad Joe pointed that out because watching an NFL game, the wide receivers almost always check with the – check with the official and we'll point and the official will say you're okay to make sure I'm you're, intri- you're I'm on intrigued. side. I'm intrigued. A lot of players really don't know how to have a conversation with an umpire. It's, it's a, it, a really I, I mean, it sounds like baseball one oh one, and everybody should be able to do that. It, it, especially if say that umpire is really bad behind the plate. He just happens to make his way around to second base about game three. And now you have to actually have a conversation. Am I in the right spot when he just rang you up? That's why I'm saying about the conversation between the umpire and the player, for me anyway, is the most it, important part, part out of all of this. It, it's funny, Kevin, it really is. because hearing you say that and hearing Joe Martinez in recent years, we've kind of forgotten about second base because nobody's slide. The takeout slide is done sure. now. Yeah. So we watch plays at second. It's almost like a dead play yeah. whenever a ball's hit to second base. But now second base is going to be the focus again mm-hmm. because of this rule. Yeah. It's how far can you go? Yeah. Can you push it? And what are the Rays going to do to what figure are you it out? What are you going to do the when the umpire on. says something you don't like? So we've mentioned that we've opened a phone line. Specifically for Kevin Barker. Yeah. For questions and comments, that, Kevin yeah. Barker. And uh, if we like the question or comment, we're going to take a couple per show, uh, when, especially when we go to two hours. Uh, so we're going to start it today. When you call, the number is 416-413-3959. This is the message you are going to hear. Hey, this is Kevin Barker from the Fan 590's Blair and Barker Show. If you have any questions, comments, or complaints about Jeff, yeah, that part feel free to leave it after the Love beep. That part. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to get it down and get it singing. There you go. Boy, energy. Oh, what? No, it's good. It's a great idea. It's something, as I said, we're going to use. And, uh, well, we've got our first, we've got our first caller, James from Medicine Hat, Alberta. You, the, the national reach of this show. Mm-hmm. Our first caller is not from Oakville. Nope. Not from Mississauga. Not from Toronto. We're happy about that. We're happy about we that. We are. The first caller is James from Medicine Hat. Mr. Boffo, can you play the clip, please? Hey, guys. It's James from uh, Medicine Hat, Alberta. I was just wondering uh, if you guys are surprised at all. I am a bit that uh, the Blue Jays never went and signed a third catcher. Obviously, that was the thing last year. They had that catcher depth. This year, if a guy goes down, whether it's Jansen or Kirk, the next guy is Rob Brantley, or you could go all the way to Zach Britton, a little younger guy. But just, uh, I'm just surprised that they never added that depth. Just wondering your thoughts. Thanks. Keep her up. Thanks, James. Yeah, Kevin, we kind of we've kind of talked talked about this. I wasn't worried about it because I just assumed that Alejandro Kirk was going to be the number two catcher. Yeah, uh, and. Then I thought about, okay, if Alejandro Kirk goes to the World Baseball Classic, clearly somebody is going to have to do some catching. And then I thought, well, Dalton Varsho can catch. And, yeah. and when the Jays acquired Dalton Varsho, we were told it's not out of the question that Dalton Varsho might catch some games. Mm-hmm. Well, it now seems, you know, let's leave aside the possibility, eighth inning of a game, uh, 
you know, Kirky's out. You have uh, to. And, and you have to put Dalton Varshall behind the yeah, plate. Yeah. Leave that aside. Mm-hmm. I'm not certain we're going to see Dalton Varshall behind the plate that much this year. It seems to me, and I'm looking at Rob Brantley's, they're working his ass off. Yeah, right they like now. him too. They like him a lot. We smart know that. Guy, yep. He's a smart yeah, guy. Yeah. Got a little bit of a, got actually a fair amount of experience under his yeah, belt. Yeah. He's not, probably not going to win a game for you with his bat, but he's a guy who's been around. He's a guy who knows what it takes. And, and, and my sense is he's the guy. He's your guy at AAA if you need another catcher. He's the guy you bring up. But And this becomes an issue now because Alejandro Kirk hasn't in camp. And we know that he's not going to the World Baseball Classic. So he's going he's to have to play catch-up. Yeah, I would, think, I would think it sounds like Rob would be the guy. But I, I would think sooner than later they would have to go out and fix that problem. I, yeah, I don't want to say it's a problem now. I know what you mean. But, but say, <laughs> say Kirk, because one of them's getting hurt. I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but just track record would tell you that that body type and, you know, Danny Jansen occasionally will, something will happen, and he'll he's going to miss a couple of starts where turns around the rotation where you're going to need a guy. Varsho sounds to me like they're a better team with him and left. Mm-hmm. The word mm-hmm. that I've gotten from people that were the team that he came from you know, it's it's stiff looking behind the plate. It's yeah. not always the best look back there. So he would be a better for your contending team because of his athleticism in left field, which is, you know, that's where he's going to make his money. It's where he's going to help this team win baseball games. So for me, I think it's Rob to start, but I don't think they're done there going no, I, out and getting a veteran guy who that's all he does is come and put the fingers down. I think there are two things the Jays are going to be looking for. I think they're going to be looking for another right-hand hitting outfielder. This is not, I'm not saying they're going to go out and make a major trade for it. I think they're going to be looking for another right-hand hitting outfielder, and they're going to be scouring the waiver wires for if you If you see a veteran left-hand hitting catcher, it doesn't even have to be left-hand hitting, but all so much the better. If you see a veteran catcher come loose, if I'm the Jays, I got to think about it. I got to think about it. No question. They're important. Just look at, look at the start yesterday, how important they are. Huh. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, again, the number to call, 416-413-3959. James from Medicine Hat, thanks for getting us going. Blue Jays baseball this afternoon against the Orioles, streaming only. And uh, Mr. Barker and myself will be back tomorrow. Have yourself a great day.